kick back, unwind, and enjoy the ride. J.T. Pendy with The Now on Late City Nights. Jim Van Allen, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Good to be with you. Jim Van Allen is a accomplished speaker. You're a trainer for schools and organizations across the country. Uh, you're also a professional a professor of communication studies with Kaiser University. Um, you also have your own hit podcast, uh, Communicate to Motivate, and you focus on different areas of communication applied to real life situations. Sounds very important. Sometimes, right? No, it definitely is. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> you also have a PhD in education leadership where, where uh, you analyze the impact of professional development training based on the best-selling book, The Energy Bus by John Gordon. Right. And the research focused on how schools and organizations can sustain a positive culture. Is that correct? That's correct. And we talked about John Gordon just a second ago before we, we started. He has a bunch of books out. He's got a huge following. And you're his vice president, is that it? Vice president of schools. I handle all of our education clients in and out of schools uh, for the last 10 years, training, developing, professional development, everything. So can you explain exactly, I mean, because I've read through everything and uh, I'm still, I, I kind of get what you're doing, but can you just explain it for us? Sure. So a lot of schools at the beginning of the year, they always have professional development days where they want somebody to come in and talk to their teachers and staff on leadership, communication, culture, right? We want our schools to have a really positive culture and environment, but that's not something that happens overnight, right? That's not something that happens with the snap of a finger. You have to implement a plan and strategies to do that. So we take a lot of John's work and we develop it for schools. We develop you know, curriculum for schools specifically on how they can use it in their classrooms, talk about it with their students, and especially with the energy bus, you know, use the material in the classrooms, talk about what it's like being a, you know, just a good person, loving your passengers, thinking positive. A lot of it's a mental health uh, game too. So we go in and do a half day or a full day training on some of his books for these schools. And sometimes there'll be a thousand people in the audience and we'll do the keynote speech, right, for a big district. So right. I've, I've done everything from two people in an audience to 4,000 So and everything wow. in between. <laughs> so that's usually August is the, the busy time, but stuff will trickle in all year too. This is a, it's interesting what you do and it's, it's more interesting to me to know exactly how you got started in something like this. Because obviously you don't, when you're a kid, you're, you don't go, I'm going to grow up and do this. So it has to... To me, it seems like it had to, there has to be a pathway in order to get there. You know what's funny, though? You mentioned that. Believe it or not, that's, that, when you said that, you know, when, I, when you're a kid, you don't usually look to say, I want to do that. That was me, though. I, <laughs> seriously, I, fourth, and I can track it back to fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, however old you are, 10, 11. I was winning the public speaking competitions for our school. Our school would have these, you know, class and then school-wide competition, and you go to the county, and I was winning, and with very little effort too, right? You know, and I'm, I'm just right. saying, when you're that age, you're not you're not really that focused on, yeah, <laughs> you know, the mechanics and oh, I got to practice and you know, this and that, right. and get into middle school and started doing more presentations in class, you know, because you have to get up in front of the class and really liking it and sort of being identified for that, 
And then, of course, high school rolls around. You start joining organizations. And I joined an organization because I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Right. right. So I really did a 180 here. I am a doctor, but I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a right, PhD right. doctor. <laughs> so don't call me if you have any problems. <laughs> I joined the health organization and it's all these medical competitions on, you know, CPR first aid and, and all these types of things. And of course, what did I do? Public speaking. Right. And one again. <laughs> and I would go to these competitions and these conferences and we would sit in the audience and on stage would be the keynote speaker. Right. At all these conferences I would go to. And I just remember sitting there in awe being like, that is awesome. Like, what a cool job. I got a lot out of it. Just what a moment. And I kind of got that stuck in my head where I was like, you know what? I want to do something like that. I just don't know how to get there. So that planted the seeds for me when I was young in high school to when I eventually met John Gordon, which is definitely another story in itself, too. How did you meet John Gordon? I was in college, so got high school to college and still had that bug to want to be a speaker. And, you know, with vision, if you want to accomplish your vision, you have to see it, right? You have to see what you want to do. You see what you want to accomplish. And I've been kind of like that my whole life where I kind of always knew the direction I wanted to go in. You know, I knew sort of about when I wanted to get married, when we wanted to have kids. We've hit all of our milestones. So uh, got into got into college and not a major for public speaker. How do you, how do you do this? And right. it was at a crossroads in the middle of my uh, road in college. And I had internship opportunities uh, in London and in Paris in public relations. So wow. I'm like, well, maybe I can go the PR route because that's still communication. Right. But then all of a sudden, this other route opened for me. Some friends of mine had seen John Gordon speak at a conference way back in 2006 before he was big time and said, listen, He's only an hour and a half from you. You should reach out. We know you want to do this. So I reached out one night in August. I sent him an email. I was a junior in college sitting in my little apartment, and I just said, I would love to be a speaker. I would Any help you can give would be great. I hit send. I walked away, thought nothing of it. You know, it just goes to that info at right. John Gordon, you know, some random right. info box. And he writes back that night and wow. says, I would love to help. Here's my cell phone. Call me the next day. That was 2006. It's now 2021. I'm right. working for him as a vice president. I've been training for him for 12 years. I am one of the lucky few who honestly can sit here and say, I am living my dream. Like, I am living my yeah, purpose. Awesome. I really amazing. am. Like, and, peop and I tell audiences that all the time where I'm like, that, and I'll show them. What's funny is I'll show them a, and I kept it. When I was 16, I wrote on a uh, – we had a vision card we had to do in high school. Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Right? All that classic stuff. Right. And I wrote on there, the top of it, I want to be a traveling speaker. And on the bottom of it, I wrote, I'd like to be a professor at a major university. And I'm doing both. Right? And that's not <laughs> – and that's very rare. Like, and I'm still, be, I'm still able to teach, but I teach online. So I can go travel all I want. Right. But I, I think the moral here, like, is I, I just – I always knew what I wanted to do, and I fought. I fought hard for that for that dream, and now that I have it, like I'm relentless in my pursuit of of, you know, anytime I get I book an engagement, I still celebrate like I was like it was 12 years ago when it was brand new. I you still can hear celebrate. it in your voice. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, yeah. and this it's exciting to me, and I and that's why COVID was so hard because for me personally, we couldn't couldn't be on the road. 
Everything right, had to right. be virtually, and virtual was fun. Well, I was going to say, how, how did you... Nothing like being on the road. That was one of my questions. I was going to how did you, being a, a public speaker, obviously you need to be in front of people to, to really share that enthusiasm. Um, that's the best way to do it anyway. How did, how did you get that enthusiasm? Obviously, we can do remote stuff, but how did you get that enthusiasm across to the students and the, and the teachers and the parents and uh, just the people in general that you're talking to, you know, via remote? It was definitely a challenge, and I still have some virtual engagements, but there's, there's something to be said for I, I can only control what I can control, and I can control me and my, and my energy and my presentation. So I would, sometimes I would stand, and sometimes I would use props, and I, I mean, I would sweat just as much as I did leaving a Zoom session as I did walking off stage in front of 500 people because I'm <laughs> still being animated with my voice and with my gestures and, right. you know, with calling on people in the Zoom room to talk and trying to turn it to an interactive presentation, putting people in the breakout rooms and jumping in and out of the breakout rooms. So, you know, you could still be really animated, you know, and what's interesting is it's it's a lot more one way, which was different because when I'm really in front of people, you're, you're building off each other. So right. I even had to be probably more energetic and more animated because it was, you know, it's like 90-10, me to them, because they're just sort of in their houses looking at you. Some of them don't even turn on their cameras. But right. <laughs> we, we did our best, and it was a nice bridge to the back to the in-persons, which we're fully loaded for the rest of the year now. Excellent. So some of the stuff, some of the things that you talk about and that, that you cover, topics you cover, are things like practice. Pra Practical application of communication skills, uh, thriving in relationships, and these are off your, your bio. So strengthening the family, uh, which I wanted to talk about, uh, workplace challenges, creating a positive culture, developing a positive mindset, and using communication skills as a motivational strategy. Now, I also listened to a, a podcast. Um, let me look at it. It is the wake up call lessons from a broken relationship. And you were talking about your father. Do you remember that one? I most definitely do. That was probably the most uh, emotional podcast I've recorded out of the 60 or so I've done and definitely the most personal. It definitely hit home with me. And uh, Sonny and I had recently talked about fathers and I'd ask him about his father. And Sonny had a, a, an amazing father, right, Sonny? Yes, actually yeah. my mentor. Yeah, Excellent. and uh, yeah, he helped him, he supported him, you know, everything like that, that you would expect a father to do. Um, what I've realized in my life that a lot of fathers don't do that. So when you were talking about your father and uh, kind of the problems that you have, are you talking with him at this point or is it still? No, no, we haven't, we haven't talked since... I surprised him in, at his house in 2011, so it's been a long time. Oh, wow. That's 10 solid years. And then um, it was another four or five b before that. So Right. Well, see, my father and I don't talk either, and uh, he's a very self-centered person who's really, in my life, he's never been anything but a coward. How do you strengthen the family when you don't have that positive relationship with your family or your father or your mother? Well, it's sort of, it's become a mission of mine, right? To know, to strengthen my own family and, and to be 
the, to be the best dad I can be now for my two sons. I have two sons, six and four. I have a wife. We have a really great family. And, you know, I know what it's like to have a dad who, you know, decided to kind of strong arm me at one point, you know, and, and never really recovered from that. And I come from a divorced household too. So during some of the most pivotal years of my life, you know, through the end of high school, through college, and I had a rough college life just because I was homesick and I was, I was just, you know, you find, you have to find your, it took me a while to find my footing. So when I finally got to that point and now that I'm a, a dad, I, you know, I've had to do it, you know, I've had to learn how to be a dad on my own. Right. I've had, to, and, and that's been a mission for me. So it's a mission for me to, to spend quality time and work on good communication with my sons and my wife and be a leader in the household and, and have a lot of grace. You know, my dad didn't have a lot of grace sometimes and forgiveness was not in his vocabulary. And he would tell you that. And I've gone the opposite way. So I've pretty much done the opposite of him, right? He, right, right. he wants to, if you upset him or if you do something wrong against him, he wants to strong arm you and hold you away and push you away. And I've tried, and I have those tendencies because I think some of his biological, right? And genetic right. certain tendencies. And I've learned that though, and I and I have those instincts to do that. And now I, I I fight the instincts, and I say, no, come here. We're going to talk about this now. I'm going to deal with this now. I'm not going to hold any grudges because I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that, and it's it's very emotionally torturous, you know, as a son Absolutely. to go, to go yeah. through that, to have and to continually go through that. My father has the issue of he left when I was two, and when he left he literally left that life he wasn't he wasn't ever going to come back and luckily i have other family a grandmother and so on that said no you know you have to be a father so basically what he did was just fulfill his responsibility through life but he always kept me at arm's reach and never had an emotional connection with me and never would allow it and it took me about uh 46 or 47 years of my life to realize that i'm not obligated to him for anything he left a long time ago, and to me, developing a positive mindset um, in that kind of uh, situation is extremely difficult when I didn't have any support. So do you have any, is there, can you, like, what did you use? What are the tricks that you used to creating that, that positive mindset in the midst of a very negative, uh, emotionless environment, if that makes sense? It does. I, I would say... You know, I've only really come to terms with it the last, I would say, maybe five, six, seven years, you know, because and, and what happened, I think, is that I, I I learned to talk about it more, just like right. I'm doing on this 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 podcast. I think this would have been very difficult to do eight years, nine, eight, nine years ago, you know, 10 years ago it would have just been I wouldn't I wouldn't have wanted to. I would have just not even used it as a as a topic. But now I've with just talking to my, my wife more, our relationship's gotten stronger, so we're able to just go a little bit deeper. And I'm finding that, JT, there are people like you, right, who, and a lot of other people who have the dad issues. And if I look at my, you know, you look at your metrics on podcast downloads, that one I did on uh, Lessons from a Broken Relationship is like the number one, number one or number two most downloaded episode that I have. Wow. So that just tells you that there are a lot of dad issues out, people who have dad issues out there. So the more I've learned to sort of open up about it and deal with my own feelings with it, it then you're not holding it inside anymore. Right. And and I'm see I think you know our 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 what happened with our dads are a little different. I mean, I my dad was in our life for, you know, 
he even when he, my mom and dad got divorced, he was we would still go to his house on the the weekends, and he was an airline pilot, so he was gone a lot, anyways. But right. we would see him, and, and things were great up until about high school or so. Uh, but you know, so it was a, li- a little different. But it, but the point is that I, you know, I've just learned to I, I've learned to not have as much bitterness towards it, towards him not wanting a relationship with me. I know when I first had my first son, right, like 2015, 2014, I found his address and I sent him baby pictures, you know, and all I wrote was just wanted you to know you have a grandson. And and I did that once, but I I haven't done that since. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I need to move on from this. So I think part of me, part of me has moved on, but then there's a part and you get this JT where it's like you you never really quite fully move on. You can never fully uh, get past that, you know, especially when you have events like Father's Day and, you know, his birthday, whatever the case is. Right, Part of it's right. on your mind, but I don't let it, I don't let it get to me anymore. I, I'm confident in my own ability as a dad. I'm confident in my own personal development now. I've, that's because I've, I've dealt with those inner feelings. And if you don't deal with the inner feelings, they, they bottle up, they can make you bitter and angry and, I just didn't want to go through life like that, and I didn't want to be that kind of person with my own boys and, and, and always use that as a crutch. Uh, I'm not saying people do, but some people do, and I just didn't want to do that. I said I need to deal with this and, 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 and not, not, feel, not feel guilty and for anything and, right. and try, to, try to have part of me move on while knowing I'll never fully be able to move on, but, but accepting that. Do you think... Becoming a father has helped you accept that and move on and deal with yeah, it. It, ha- it. It definitely has because I've, I, I've, I, it's kind of forced me to, to address those dad issues. Uh, but in, in some sense though, it's made me confront it more, right? Because you're like, oh, okay, I get what it is to be a dad now. I don't have a dad I can call. So it forces you to deal with those emotions and those issues and to talk about it with your loved ones a little bit more. Right. And I've talked about, my dad issues with my mother before, and of course, and she gets it because she was married to him for uh, 17 years before they got divorced. You know, so being able to open up with her and my wife more, and you know, best friend, it's been, it's 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 helped things. So yes, being a dad has made me definitely confront confront it more. Now you just, you mentioned your wife, and you have a really great relationship. I found that thriving in a relationship is difficult when you have nothing but bad examples. So my parents have been married a total of nine times between them. So I've had many stepfathers and stepmothers and brothers and sisters and stuff. Um, I, in return, found it very difficult to maintain a relationship after that. And I know the steps I've taken to improve that part of my life, but it took years and I'm still really not comfortable with it. Um, how is, how is, it, is your wife your rock? We'll just put it that way. She most definitely is. I, I, un, unquestionable. She's, if you believe in soulmates, she's definitely a soulmate for me. Absolutely. Great. It's uh, it's difficult when, when you don't have any uh, background, you know, uh, to kind of go examples, off of right? you know, examples, examples of right? how, how you're supposed to act. And for a long time, I thought it was relationships and love were about fighting and, you know, arguing and stuff. And once I realized that that wasn't the case, um, I got, I was much happier. Um, you know, and I think that's really why I 
dived into communication so much, right? That's my whole life. That's my background now, my podcast, my teaching, my degrees. And when I was in college and I really wasn't talking with my father, I really got into communication, just learning about interpersonal communication, learning about the stages of a relationship and, and the communication involved in each stage, just being fascinated with how relationships like anything else sort of develop and evolve. And learning about those things just, just taught me a, a, an understanding for nonverbals and verbal and everything that comes with communication and emotions. And, and because I didn't really have that example from my dad, so I, I had to kind of learn a lot of it on my own. And it really strengthened me to be a good communicator. And it, I brought that into my, my marriage and I brought that into my relationship with my kids too, is just trying to be open and honest about things, talking through things and not letting anything bottle up because that's just, it's a kiss of death when you do that for all people involved. I mean, it just, it eats you up inside and it slowly decays relationships when you just don't deal with things and it makes you bitter towards people and want to shove people away. And I didn't, you know, I knew that's what I was, had come from right with, with my father and I didn't want to be like that. So communication taught me to go the opposite direction because it's such a broad field. You talk a lot about, you know, there's, there's a, an emotional side to communication. There's an internal dialogue that involves the communication. So that, that really uh, helped me to work on some personal development and, and definitely brought, it, brought that into my relationship and we're, we're all stronger because of it. Now, tell me, um, I know you have a lot of stories and I'd like to, like to hear something, something fun, something that was amazing that happened during you know, one of your trips or you know, one of these ventures uh, where you were talking to people. Um, is there anything that, that resonates that comes to mind, like that one story that uh, everybody should hear? I, I definitely had, I had a moment where, I'm going to tell this story from last year and then another one from a previous year, but last year, August, I'm used to having 17, 18 engagements in the month of August. Like I'm in out in about all these cities. Last year I had two in that, live in person. Is, is that because it's right before school? Right. It's always, okay. you know, school usually starts uh, late August, early September. So all these schools have professional development days in first three weeks of August. So right. I'm usually gone. But last year in August, I was only gone two days. And I remember standing in front of a group of teachers in Texas and it was, you know, August, COVID was raging all over and, you know, and I was there and I remember just pausing and almost with a tear in my eye and looking around the room and I'd never do this because usually I'm in the zone and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my groove. Right. I just remember looking around the room in front of everybody and saying out loud to them, I just said, I'm never going to take this moment for granted ever again. I said, usually I, you know, I say thank you and I get the applause and then I got to rush out the door to the airport to get to the next one. But this time I actually just took a pause, looked around, took a deep breath and had a real moment with the crowd that I'll always remember that. And I'll always and because I didn't know when the next one was going to come. Right. I had right. no clue. Right. I always had one in the in the funnel ready to go. And I could t- and I was trying to use that as a story with them saying, listen, you know, you don't know when your students are coming back. They were going to be virtual for a while. Let's never take things we used to just do regularly for granted ever again. I said, because I certainly won't. Yeah. And I know I'm never going to do that moving forward is take that for granted again. So that was a, a, a meaningful moment for me. And then, you know, I would say two years ago, I had a I had an audience member come up to me and 
and just said, listen, we could have had the day off today. It was a day. It was like an off day for teachers. She said, right. but being here with, with, and with you, she said, made it all worthwhile. She said, you touched my life so much. And she was just talking about the stories I told relating to them. And she said, I, you know, I could have the day off, but I'm so glad that I was able to be here and experience this material with you. And, you know, you're, you're shaking hands and you're trying to get out the door and somebody says that to you and it just makes you stop and just say, okay, you know, I am actually having impact here. I'm not just speaking words right. and people are hearing it but not listening to it. And that was, I don't, when I get feedback like that or if I get people emailing me and with positive feedback, it means a lot because right. people normally only reach out to you if you've done something wrong or if you've offended them. In our culture, right? That's true. The offend, yeah. Offended culture. So when I get people like that who talk to me afterwards or email me, it, it means the world. Not because I need a pat. I don't need the pat on the back. It's not for, because of that. But it's just knowing that you have impact. Right. And yep. Think about life, right? Why do you do? Why do you do your podcast, right? Why do I do my podcast? Why do I speak? Why do I have this or that? Because we want to have impact. We want right. to touch people's lives. We want to have. It does fuel value. you. That is true. It does fuel you. It does. It, it, it absolutely does. And knowing that, you know, that, hey, I'm looking at my metrics. Okay, people are listening. People are downloading. I'm getting emails and tweets, whatever, about these episodes and getting requests for guests. And it, it, it fuels you. It does because you know you're having value. And I think that's a human instinct is we want to have value. We want to have value on the world. And I think that's, that's perfectly okay and great. You want to know that you're, you're having a real impact, a positive impact in people's lives. And that's, that's really what I'm going for. That's what I want my life to be about. That's what I want my kids to do right now and as they get older. And, of course, that's what I might, might want my work to be about as well. I think especially in, in times like this where you, if you can make a difference in a time where people are suffering, I think that it really has much even, even more of an impact than just you know the everyday everyday situation and in the time of code uh, you know a positive speaker someone that can bring people up especially when you know the suicide rate went up everything you know everybody's you know worried about toilet paper and everything and uh, that doesn't seem like a big thing but you know these little tiny things that we took for granted before are now all thrown on our mind at one time and I think when we have people like you out there that are you know helping people um, I think that's really great. Sonny, you know, he's an IT guy, and we were talking about this the other day. And I asked him what his, you know, favorite part of his job was, and he says the same thing as when he helps somebody, when he knows he actually helped somebody. And uh, I think that's when you really get the, you know, you feel the passion for life is when you're, you're thinking about other people more than you're thinking about yourself. And uh, I really appreciate you. I, I appreciate that you saying that. And, you know, I'll share kind of briefly here at the end, I know, is my – uh, John Gordon always has his team do uh, a one word for the year and a one and think about your life one word. And, you know, I, I really put a lot of thought into my life one word because that's a big deal. What's that your, is your a life huge deal. One word. <laughs> so I, th I thought about that a few years ago. We, we had a, you know, just a, a team meeting and I said, my life word is serve. serve and, yeah. and, 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 and that really is like when I, when I thought about it, I'm like, no, it's serve. I said, I'm constantly trying to put, as a speaker, putting the audience needs before mine. If, if a client says, listen, you know, like I had recently, last year, I had a client, because of COVID, 
we were going to do one group of like 500. She said, listen, we need to do three groups now of like 150 each. Can you do the same talk three times instead of one time? Right. Oh, and we're going to pay you the same amount. <laughs> and I said, no problem. I said, that's okay. Yeah, I said, yes. I said, that's fine. And I'm always trying to put the audience needs first, the client's needs first, my kids' needs first, my wife's needs first, right? You know, and, and yeah, of course you get, you know, you t- I find my time to take care of myself when I need to. When I, I, I go to the gym, like that's my time, you know, in the evening time, that's my time. But most of the time I'm trying to put others first and be an example to my sons to do that as well and to others. I just think if more people did that, it doesn't mean you need to completely lose sight of your, your own needs, but if if everybody is giving that way, then then all needs are being taken care of organically. Right. Yeah. So that's serve is definitely the way I look at things. Uh, so I think so basically based on that, Jim, is going back to my father, that's exactly how I perceived him. So he was always attentive. He was always uh, serving us as the kids or, you know, my mom, what have you. And I learned that from him. So you've done it without someone teaching you. So that's kind of impressive, right? Very so, impressive, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I do see that. Um, one word, I based on just the brief introduction we've had with you and a little bit that I've done some research on you, Jim, I'd say impact. You know, yeah. just the fact that you said that a lady came up to you. Um, you know, I, by the way, I worked in a school district myself, so I, I've done teaching, when, you know, for the staff. And, you know, I, I was the uh, IT guy for the student information system and the, you know, the actual administrative aspect of it and showing them how to do that. And I've noticed that teachers are the hardest people to teach, man. Oh, you have no idea. Right? <laughs> Maybe you do have some idea. No, I do. <laughs> you do. Now you do. Yeah, it's true. The But what I will say is, though, is that um, my favorite audience, though, are believe, are, believe it or not, are elementary school teachers in the, I would say, in the South. But uh, they can, but it has to be the right crowd. So they sometimes will put up the walls, especially secondary, middle school, high school teachers, because right. they've they've kind of hardened in those environments, right? That that's a tough group to have to deal with, six to you know, ten to ten to eighteen year olds. Right. What I'll say is that I just try to be, I try to be real with them. I try to be genuine. I try to talk with them, not at them. And I try to make it very interactive right from the beginning. So it's, it's fun. It's conversational. You know, it's not me getting up there for eight hours and just talking at them. We're, we're constantly going from conversation to story to them doing something. I'm talking to them in between. I'm sitting down with them. So I really try to make it real and personal and smile, right? But also uh, try to understand what they're going through. I think that's what teachers are looking for. Hey, let's just understand my position and give me something I can use. Give me something that don't waste my time. Right. So I, I was and PD professional development can get that can get that na- knock sometimes where it's like, what does this have to do with me? Well, anything I talk about, if you look at any of John's books, it's all about personal development, thinking positive, you know, being a better person, better person in a relationship. That's really something we can all use, and I just try to bring it to life for them. I got a question. Are you, are you planning on writing a book of your own anytime soon? So uh, it, it's in the works right now. I'm going to be doing – so John's got a book out called The Power of Positive Leadership. And uh, I, I'm going to be co-authoring a book called The Power of Positive Leadership for Teens. Oh, We're going to do a teen version that takes the principles from that book and has stories related to teenagers. 
and we'll, we'll market it towards, you know, the, the 12, 18-year-old crew. Uh, and then on my own, you know, my, my podcast is called Communicate to Motivate, and I actually just bought the copyright for that. I applied for it with the U.S. Department of, you know, the uh, Patents and Trademark right. Office, yep. and it took a while. had lawyers involved, the legal Zoom and stuff, but I wanted to own it just just for that for that reason. And it's definitely something I don't I don't say I want to do. I need to do it. It's yeah. just finding that it's finding that that spark to be able to, to do that. Um, you know, I wrote my dissertation and it was a lot of work. It was a book. It was <laughs> 150 pages long. So Jeez. I can write and I love it. But I need to find my own voice to be able to do that soon. Sure. Yeah. And when you do, let me know, because I definitely want to, uh, you know, follow that and keep track of it. and read Sure thing. That of you've course. Yeah. Of course. And tell us, uh, Jim, where can people connect with you online? Absolutely. So I am on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and it's at Jim Van Allen, V-A-N-A-L-L-A-N. And then my podcast, Communicate to Motivate, can be found anywhere. Honestly, if you just search search on Google, Spotify, you know, it's it's it'll come up, you know, Communicate to Motivate. And um, Apple Podcasts, it's also on my website, Jim Van Allen, A-L-L-A-N dot com in the in the podcast section. So give it a listen. I try to do my episodes are usually if I'm solo, maybe 15, 20 minutes. If I have a, a guest every once in a while, maybe 30, 30, 40 minutes once a week on Mondays. Uh, been doing it about a year now and I love it. It's my own voice, my own material, and it's personal to me. So I think that helps people. Well, we're definitely going to follow it from now on. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. What kind of feedback are you getting from your podcast as opposed to when you're doing your live um, speaking? Well, I mean, I don't think I would. I don't think I would be doing it anymore if I was if I was getting the negative feedback, you know, or if I was getting <laughs> negative reviews or like I was from from the people who I know who who have been listening to it and who are usually sometimes some of the harshest critics. They're still listening. Right, they're still getting something out of it, and then people who will reach out to me outside of the friends and family circle just love the stories and they love the relevant relevant content because uh, communication is so broad. So I always, I, you know, we we talk about it in the context of work and relationships and family and personalities. So we try to bring it into context that a lot of people, you know, you deal with every single day: work, relationships, family, inner dialogue. So. It's been the feedback's been really positive, and I think people appreciate the, the personal nature of it and, and the quick takeaways at the end too. And other than your podcast, uh, you're obviously going to be out on the road. Is there somewhere people can see you speak, or they have to be education? Or so far, the events are you know at a particular school or inside of a school district. But I will say, if you you know if you follow me on on Twitter, especially at Jim Van Allen, w- John Gordon and I are going to be doing these tour dates soon. We're going right. to be hitting different spots around the country, some of the major me- uh, metros, and having a like a full day training for mainly for educators though at at these different city spots. So if you're an educator listening, keep an eye out for those dates and those city dates in the fall and the spring, and that yeah, that will be definitely be open to the public. And you have some videos up too as well, right? Yeah, yeah, on my website, yeah, jimvanallen.com, in the media section, there's uh, websites, uh, these uh, pictures and videos and testimonials and all that good stuff. Excellent. Well, Jim, I appreciate you joining us, and I uh, hope that we can do this again soon. And uh, 
keep on trucking, man. You're doing great. And like I said, we appreciate you and we need more people out there that, that are doing what you're doing, especially in this time. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. It's good fuel for the next the next phase here. Almost 21 engagements coming up in the next four months. That's and amazing. it's at a time when these schools really need it. They really need to get realigned back to a, a positive mindset significantly. Absolutely. That's awesome. Good luck with everything, Jim. Yeah, Thank you, Sonny. Thank you, JT. Thanks, Jim. What a ride on Late City Nights.